with a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George. Welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. And it's a rather sunny morning out there, but I don't think you should get used to it if you go by the weather forecast that we heard. We are supposed to be getting some showers and possible thunder showers later today. Got a good show lined up. And we are going to start with... Um, we did an interview a couple of months ago with a new dance studio in town, Method Dance Society, and Shelby Richardson was talking about how they were thinking about getting stuff up and rolling, and Shelby, now you've got stuff up and running. Yeah, yeah, we do. So um, so we are a, a local dance society, so we're a, a professional dance organization here in Prince George. Um and yeah, we have a really exciting new digital work that's coming out next week. Yeah, now th- this really, I was going through because I pulled the thing off your website as to what it's all about. It's called Mother Sound Slash Body. And I guess first question, what does the title of the work mean? Sure. So so the title means um, this work was kind of a off. It was like an adaption of the live piece we were planning to do last year, but with all the COVID shutdown, we kind of had to we had to revision some new strategies um, for the dance company. So one of those pieces was called Mother, mm-hmm. um, and, and Mother has a lot of connotations. You know, the mother body, the beginning of something new, um, those types of things. And the sound body aspect of the title is because this piece, everything um, involved in the piece, the lighting, the music, the color, the projection, it, it was all created using sensor technology. So, so what that means is the dancers wore sensors while they were performing the piece, and as they danced, this would create um, the sound that they were moving to, the lighting, the projections that are present in the piece, all of that was created uh, by their movement. So when the dancers were doing this, did they have music that they were sort of dancing to, which was then recreated, or were they actually creating brand new pieces of music as they danced? They were creating brand new pieces of music while they danced. Wow. So I'm thinking with that, the first that comes to my mind is it would almost all have to be solo pieces, wouldn't it? Because otherwise, if you've got two people doing this at the same time, the music could really clash. Yeah, so actually, no, each, there's, there's, three, there's three performances um, in, the, in the digital work, mm-hmm. uh, and each piece is a trio. Oh. So, so what we did is, um, and I'll, I have Ashley Burmaster here, one of the choreographers mm-hmm. and one of the dancers, so I'll let her or talk about this a little bit yeah. too, but for each piece we focused on different um, things. So for the piece I choreographed, the dancers wore sensors, and the the each sensor was tied to a di- different octave, so it created like a harmony of sound depending uh, depending okay. how they were dancing. And then I'll let Ashley talk a little bit about her piece. 
Yeah, so for my piece, we focused more on the lighting with the sensors and the pace of the lighting. So we actually had the screen going on behind the dancers, almost with a light running across the screen. And then based on where their hands and their arms were in the space, if their arms were up high, then the screen would be running really fast. Or if their arms were down low, the screen would be moving very slow. So as they were going through their movement, there was this beautiful kind of commotion of light um, running behind them, which is really interesting. This, this, I'm, I'm sorry. The sound you are hearing right now is a mind being blown on air. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is. Ing- I, I am from the old school, where like the piano player played a few bars and the dancers got up on stage and started dancing to that music. And now all of a sudden, I'm hearing about the dancers creating the music. I'm hearing about the dancers creating the light show that's up there with them. Wow. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty amazing. And um, the, the project really came to life because uh, John Russell, who's the technical director mm-hmm. and, the, and like an amazing composer, um, we had just been talking about, you know, how do we do something that's different? Because this isn't a live show anymore. Yeah. Um, we have to do something online. So how can we... We push ourselves as artists and um, dancers and lighting designers to really create something new and exciting um, that ma- that really utilizes the digital uh, platform. And we were like, "Hey, there's these cool this is this cool technology that exists that we can actually make we can make almost a, a live environment. So it, it, it's a living and breathing." Uh, space that the dancers are interacting in. Now, had any of you used the sensor technology before, or were you sort of learning on the go? No. So this is actually <laughs> the first time that any of us had ever worked with these sensors, I think including John, too. <laughs> so that was part of the interesting part of this process, is we were really coming up with the choreography first, and then trying to keep those sensors in mind, but really having that collaborative research process happen later, which is kind of the amazing thing about, not I guess not the amazing thing about this pandemic, like as destructive kind of as this pandemic has been for many artists, it's really allowed us to push the boundaries and how we present art and push the boundaries in our choreography. So I think this digital work is a really nice representation of how art can maybe move forward and how this time has enhanced our art form as well. So is this piece something that you would have ever thought of if you were doing a live piece? Um, I don't know how yeah. much we would. Now we definitely will. Yeah. <laughs> um, now that we, we have started, we kind of just, you know, hit the tip of the iceberg with this um, exploration um, because there is just so much you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much uh, interaction that you can create, which which I'm a huge proponent of, is like interacting with your audience and, and that type of thing. So um, we, I don't know if it's something we would really look at. It might have been something we talked about, but not seriously something we looked at. And now we're like, it just opens so many doors for the future yeah. um, with live performance. So how much of it was while you were putting together Mother Sound Body, 
you were also sort of taking notes either in the back of your mind or on your iPad or whatever about, let's see if we can try this for the next time we do something like this. Yeah, so I know John is just like, his brain is exploding right now because he's just like, oh my gosh, there's so much, there's so much we can do. So I'm sure he has just like uh, lists and lists of ideas about how we can, we can platform this, especially not just with dancers, but with actors Mm. or musicians as well. Now, is this something, this is something where it seems there's a lot of like live performance things. Like when you're able to go before an audience again, it sounds like you would have to be fairly careful about how much of this you, you technology you used in a piece, because the audience is going to have to adapt themselves to seeing this instead of what they're used to seeing. Yeah, for sure. And and you also run into things. What's nice about um, doing something digital is you can go back and do it again mm-hmm. if there's there's a if there's a glitch or you know one of our sensors uh something happens with the tech um in a live performance you really have to i think sim- simplify it so that you weren't running into tons of uh tech issues yeah yeah so so now this performance it's scheduled to air june 15th so it's a week from a week from yesterday, actually. At seven, um, is it actually live, or is uh, has all of this been taped, like so much other stuff that we've seen produced lately? Yeah. So, so this is a, a taped performance. Mm-hmm. Um, the premiere. So the the link will be live mm-hmm. on June fifteenth at seven p.m. And and once you register for that link, you'll have. Um, it will be open for a week. Okay. So, so for a week, uh, I think it's from the 15th to the 19th. Right. Um, you'll be able to uh, go into that link and, and watch the performance. Mm-hmm. Now, is there, are there any plans, especially on what I would call an opening night on the 15th, are there any plans for you or Ashley or John to be available after the performance to do sort of a live online thing, answering questions from people who were watching? Uh, I think that's something we could totally do. I think mm. it would be really great, um, especially when we have this, you know, amazing platform mm. like Zoom where people can uh, tune in and do a question and answer. I think it would be great to have the artists on board. Yeah. Um, to answer some of those questions because people are just going to be like, what, what just happened? <laughs> sort of like so, what I'm doing now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that is definitely something, um, we're, uh, being the work to talk about for sure. Okay. So how long did all of this come to put together for mother sound body? You're saying you had the basic idea for the piece from the live performance you were thinking about doing. Then, of course, everything changed on that. And obviously, a lot changed in terms of how the piece was being performed. How long, well, basically, how long have the dancers been in rehearsals, I guess? Um, I think we started around 
I think we've been in the works with this piece for about a month and a half to two months or so. And the very beginning of that was very much just kind of discussing how this would work, how Mm -hmm. this is going to be a possibility. And then from there, we moved into the choreography and the research part with the sensors. And two months does sound like a good amount of time. But in reality, when you're working with this new technology, two months really isn't that uh, much (laughs) time. So it's been really interesting because we've really kind of had to go with our gut instinct all the time and go, um, yeah, just with our gut instinct on everything we were doing, which was kind of beautiful because we just really had to trust ourselves and trust who we were collaborating with and just go for it, which I think really created a beautiful piece of work for everyone yeah, because so often when you're going to be doing a piece of work like this the first thing you start off with is okay here's the music what what kind of dance moves are you going to be doing to the music you guys were given the, the idea come up with some dance moves and let's see what the music sounds like yeah yeah <laughs> exactly it, it was almost like working in reverse mm-hmm. um, so we each of the choreographers kind of had a concept um, that they were that they were thinking about, mm-hmm. uh, and then had to create this choreography with kind of just following their intuition on like what this is possibly going to sound like. Yeah. Okay. So, just about time to wrap up. So yeah. again, it is Mother Sound Body from the Method Dance Studio. It. The first presentation, the world premiere, June 15th, so a week from Tuesday, or sorry, next Tuesday, technically now at this point, at 7, where can people get tickets, where can they get more information about the show? Sure, so um, all of our tickets are by donation, Mm -hmm. so um, it's accessible to everyone. Uh, We want everyone to be able to watch this and, you know, really join in on something something new for Prince George. So um, that was really important to us. You can register for your link um, through our website. It's www.methoddance.ca. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you just go to our website and you can sign up to get your link there. Okay. Shelby Richardson, Ashley Burmaster from Method Dance Studio. Thank you very much for coming on and talking to us about your your first presentation, even though it's not really live. <laughs> thank you so much for having us. Okay. Yeah, thank you for having us. Okay, going to take a quick break and be back with more after nine. Join us each week for Music and the Spoken Word, featuring the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square, the longest-running, continuous weekly network broadcast in the world, celebrating over 90 years on the air. Each episode features modern and traditional arrangements of spiritual, patriotic, classical, and contemporary music, and a timely, inspiring message. Music and the Spoken Word with the Tabernacle Choir. Now heard Sunday mornings at 8 here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. The University of Victoria is conducting a study on assistive technologies, devices used to maintain or improve an individual's ability to function and be independent. If you are an older adult, age 55 plus, using or wanting to use assistive technology, you or a person who assists you can participate. To take part, contact Project Coordinator Dr. Gord Miller by email to kisssat at uvic.ca or colleague Dr. Karen Kabayashi by email to kmkobe at uvic.ca.
Last summer, as COVID-19 created economic hardship for creatives everywhere, a variety of charities were set up to offer assistance. With the backing of Songwriters of North American, the Songwriter Fund was created by songwriters for songwriters. With the repercussions of the pandemic continued to impact the music industry, the fund is still accepting donations as it gears up to provide another round of much-needed relief to songwriters. To learn more about the fund or to apply or donate, visit songwriterfund.com. Forecast for Environment Canada, becoming cloudy this morning with showers and the risk of thunderstorms. Winds from the south at 20, gusting to 40 this afternoon, a high of 15. Tonight, showers ending after midnight, then partly cloudy, gusting south winds becoming light and a low of 4. For Thursday, mainly sunny in the morning, increasing cloudiness near noon with a 60% chance of showers in the afternoon and the risk of thunderstorms. Winds from the southwest at 20, gusting to 50 near noon, a high of 16. Keeping you up to date on current news and events in and around Prince George. This is After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. And we are now on the phone with a voice which became very familiar over the uh, somewhat unusual hockey season that the Prince George Spruce Kings faced this past year. Cole Waldy, we talked to you a fair number of times when you were down in Chilliwack. Now you're back in Prince George. What was it like... Coming back to Prince George with, I'm guessing, like, did everybody on the team come back at the same time, or did some of the guys just leave from there for wherever their homes were? No, well, we came back on the bus. We all came back on the bus mm-hmm. right after the game because the, the kids are out their billet houses. All they had right. to pack all their stuff in their billet houses before they went home. So they had a day or two to, you know, gather their <laughs> things and then head home for, for the off season. But, yeah, great experience for all the kids. And, uh, you know, obviously it's a big off season and a big year coming up next year. So, um, yeah, they, they all came, at the, we all came at the same time on the bus, just like a normal road trip would be. So, uh, there's some sort of normality coming on, on the way home, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, like a normal road trip would be after you've been on the road for a month and a half. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess that one's a little bit different. I guess it's from, from a bus side of things on the way home where you, you know, you play the game, you play the game at, Five or six o'clock at night, and then you drive overnight, uh, you know, back home into back home into PG. But yeah, it was a long, long trip, but um, definitely no regrets. It was a, a very cool, unique experience. Now, when you got back to Prince George, and the players all then, of course, as you say, got their stuff from their billets if they were from out of town, and then headed back home. Was there a chance for? the members of the Spruce Kings organization who didn't make the trip down with them to say goodbye from anything more than like about six feet difference. Yeah, it was a little bit different. I, I, I think when we got back, though, everyone had their, their first dose of the vaccine. Mm. So that kind of made it a little bit easier yeah. uh, getting back into the office. But yeah, we had a couple of days off before getting back <laughs> at, into the office. So um, yeah, pretty, pretty seamless transition getting back to work. Um, the staff obviously have, you know, they've, t- they've taken some time off as well uh, for their off season a little bit as well. So um, pretty much everyone went went home. You know, the coaches have been uh, back at home for a little bit, and they'll be they'll be back here later in the summer. So um, yeah, it was a, a fairly seamless transition coming back. You know, right back to work a couple days later. Now, when you did come back to work in the Prince George office, where was the BCHL and basically hockey in general at in terms of? figuring what their chances were to have a full regular season 
yeah, it seems like everything is going to be, uh, as of right now, fairly status quo with mm-hmm. you know, the restrictions that have been placed and you know how it's going to be lifted. So um, everything's a status quo. There's a 54-game schedule that's already been released. Um, it's a big year for the league. It's a big year for the Spurs Kings with it being the 50th year anniversary. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of exciting things that are still in the works being planned. Um, so, yeah, it's just trying to make it as normal as we can, you know, moving forward because that's what it seems like it's going to be. And, uh, you know, really looking forward to it. Now, I took a quick look at the schedule on the BCHL site, and it looks as if all of the teams are back on the schedule. Like, obviously, when Natchez, um opted out of the pods thing very early on, of course, because of the cross-border issues... But I'm trying to remember, was it Langley was the other team that didn't take yeah. part? Okay. Correct. Yeah, yeah, Langley opted out. But they are both on the schedule, as far as I could tell, for this year. So everybody's back. Yeah, they'll be back. Everyone's going to be back. That's that's the plan, um, is to have every single team, you know, back playing. And, uh, you know, yeah, playing their, their regular season. And um, hopefully that everything goes smoothly. And we can award a trophy, obviously. It's been mm-hmm. a long time. Since that's happened since 2019, yeah. Um, so, so you guys are still the defending champs. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't say that. We kind of have that feather in our cap, if you will. But uh, no, yeah. It sounds like everyone's going to be back and going to try and play as normal as a regular season uh, as they can. If um, you know the the cases trend in the direction that they have been. Now, I think the schedule starts. I want to say like about October the eighth or 9th. Yeah, so the eighth will be the first game. Yeah. Okay. So working back from that, when will training camp be starting? Uh, I believe training camp is set to go in in September. Uh, there'll be a little preseason in there, a couple exhibition games. So, um, yeah, again, fairly normal uh, mm-hmm. for you know, the kids to get here and you know run run the training camp at, at the rink. And uh, yeah, again, it's going to be you know hopefully fairly normal with everything and looking like an early Jan- or early September uh, training camp start. Now, are there any plans for the Spruce Kings to hold any camps at all during the summer for player identification? Yeah, well, there's two things that we have, go- or there's one thing right now going on mm-hmm. at our Futures Camp, mm-hmm. our Northern Futures Camp that goes from July 23rd to 25th. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're still putting that together, getting kids signed up for that. Um, as of right now, I believe that's all we have going on. We also have our summer, it isn't really about an ID camp, but uh, our hockey school, our mm. summer hockey school is yeah. coming up as well. Um, those dates are going to be released uh, probably next week. Um, so mm-hmm. that's another thing. Obviously, it's a big staple in the Spruce Kings organization with mm-hmm. the, the kids' hockey school. We were able to run one, a modified one last year um, for the tough circumstances of COVID and stuff, but hopefully we can have a little bit more of a normal one, more kids uh, to come out and, you know, get their skills ready for the hockey season with great instruction from, you know, coaches and alumni and players. So, um, yeah, it should be a very busy and a very exciting summer with a lot of events going on. Now, how many players right now are the Spruce Kings looking at having back for the upcoming season from the from this past season? Yeah, I don't have the exact number no. on the top of my head, to be honest, but I know there's a good chunk. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of returners, obviously, just the twenty-year-olds uh, not coming back. Um, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll be gone, but you know, so there's been some trades already, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it's the, the core of this team's back. Uh, the Rowan Millers, the John Harringtons, the, yeah. the Nick Riomes. Yeah, brothers. There's a, a lot of guys. You keep going on and on, but 
there's a, a lot of returning faces, and it's going to be really exciting to watch this team next year. I think, you know, when you look at it, look at it on paper and what we saw in that pod season, is a small sample size, but I think there's big things in this team's future, a, a lot to like. Um, you know, whether it's the returning forwards, the, the returning goaltenders, uh, Aaron Trotter especially was so good uh, in the pod season. It's going to be fun to watch, I think, this year as well. So um, a, a lot to like, really, up and down the lineup from a returning side of things. A lot of, a lot of uh, games played uh, in that roster. Yeah, now there was one trade announced earlier this week which the Spruce Kings were not technically involved with, but it could affect you guys with Jordan Fairley being traded, the rights to Jordan Fairley being traded to the uh, Cougars. Yeah, his rights uh, did get traded to the Cougars, so I believe they got a, they got a, a very deep goaltending yeah. pool now uh, adding him. I think they have four goalies now in their system. So, yeah, his WHL rights are, are with the Cougars, and his BCHL rights are still with us. Yeah. So. I guess only time will tell, but I'm assuming he'll still be with, you know, the Spruce King to start, and we'll see what happens moving forward there. Yeah, it's just, I looked at that, and I was thinking, okay, well, that's one of those ones that's kind of convenient for the Cougars. Like, it's not bad for you because he stays with you, as you say, to start with, but for the Cougars, it's kind of convenient because if they need a goaltender fairly quickly because of an injury or something, they don't have to cast way down to Vancouver to get the next kid on their lineup. They've got him right here. Yeah, that's a good point. I think the kid they traded also is from Swift Current. So, yeah. um, you know, well. two hometown kids got to go back home. So I think that kind of went into it, too. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll see what happens. Still uh, a bit of a process before the season starts. And, yeah, I guess only time will tell. Okay, Cole, we're going to have to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about the new schedule and some of the items on it after 9. If you attended a federal day school, now is your time to make your claim. If you experienced harm at your school, you may be eligible to receive a check for compensation. Remember, you need to make your claim before July 13th, 2022. See if your school is on the list and get free legal help. Start at IndianDaySchools.com or call 1-844-539-3815. Claim what's yours. Over the past year, the Alzheimer's Society of BC has made enhancements to their remote and virtual programming so no one walks alone with dementia. Developments include virtual support groups, fitness and social programming with Minds in Motion, and weekly webinars on dementia-relevant topics. If you've taken in any of these virtual programs, please provide your feedback and thoughts through the First Link Dementia Helpline. The number to call is 1-800-936-6033. That's 1-800-936-6033. Support PG is celebrating its first anniversary by giving you a chance to win. Download and print the Summer Vacation Passport from supportpg.ca, then shop locally through September 28th to collect stickers. You can win one of three staycation packages from Tourism Prince George. Follow Support PG on Facebook and Instagram or visit supportpg.ca to stay up to date. Get shopping today to increase your chances. The Support PG Passport for your summer vacation. On through September 28th from Support PG. Next time you're out on the ocean, help save whales by reporting any sightings using the Whale Report app. By making submissions, you're contributing to the OceanWise BC Sighting Network, a database of more than 130,000 whale sightings spanning more than 50 years. This provides researchers with critical information about the health of whales, dolphins, porpoises, and sea turtles in the BC waters. For more information or to download the Whale Report app, visit the OceanWise website at ocean.org. 
It's after 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. So, Cole, we were mentioning earlier the new schedule out for the BCHL season, a full schedule. And so you're looking at it and you're going, gee, there's teams on here that aren't married or Chilliwack. What's going on? Yeah, uh, obviously, you know, the switch down to the Interior Conference, that was made uh, about a year ago, but obviously it kind of uh, <laughs> fell apart with, you know, with COVID and stuff, so um, we, we played that pod season. But, yeah, it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, no traveling to, to Chilliwack, especially. Uh, it's going to be a, a bit of an adjustment, but pretty good schedule. Uh, all in all, if you ask me, a lot of back-to-backs in PG. Uh, are only 3-3 three and three of the, the season as a, as a home is a home stretch against Cranbrook. So, um, I, personally, I thought that was kind of kind of cool, a little bit different. So, um, lots of like on the schedule. Again, a little bit different, as, as you mentioned. So, um, it's going to be exciting, though. I'm excited to see how all the games play out. And, you know, a lot of games circled on that schedule, for sure. Yeah, and I was going to say, just having Cranbrook here to play all basically all three of their games against you guys in Prince George on the same weekend makes sense. Yeah, I, yeah, I think so too. Obviously, uh, not the lightest travel going from PG no. to Cranbrook. So, yeah, it makes sense to, to get those games in. And I think every time you know we're in the Cooties, we're playing both Trail and Cranbrook to, to get those games in. So, makes sense, you know, from a travel side of things. Uh, Going to be a, a lot of kilometers logged on mm-hmm. both sides. And that's the other thing that's a little bit different is. Previous years, it was just, okay, we're going to the Kootenays, we're playing trail, and then we're leaving again. Now, as you say, you've got a couple of games in there against different teams. You're not even playing just a double header against trail. You're playing two different teams, probably on this, probably on back-to-back nights even. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. Um, you know, obviously, Cranbrook, you know, their first year in the league uh, was last year, their mm-hmm. inaugural year, probably not ideal with all the, the circumstances, probably... Um, a, a bit of a grind. Obviously, it's a grind for every team, but especially for them with it being their first year in the league. Um, it's kind of cool that they're, you know, kind of in that Kootenay area where they can rival a trail. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they played each other a lot last year as well. So um, it's very cool to, you know, see this league expand and, you know, go to a bit of a different part of the province. And obviously, Cranbrook's a, a very good hockey town. They had a Western Hockey League team there for a long time. So um, I've heard nothing but good things uh, about their organization and the program. It's going to be exciting to go there, and it's going to be exciting for them to, to come here and, you know, for fans to, you know, see a, a brand new team in the league. And there's another key point: fans, yeah. fans. <laughs> yeah, very exciting. Um, you know, again, if the, if everything goes to plan, um, you know, with the, the restart plan in British Columbia, it looks like there's going to be fans in the buildings, which is yeah. so so exciting. Uh, I think you know it's been a really long wait and tough times for everyone, and I think fans are going to be. I'll probably chomp at the bit to, you know, watch some hockey, some live hockey. It's been obviously over a year. It's been a long time. So um, we're excited, uh, you know, to get the Spruce Kings fans back in the RMCA and, uh, you know, try to get back to some normal times. And I know from a player side of things, they, the RMCA is their favorite rink to play in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's strictly because of, because of the atmosphere and how loud it can be in there. So hopefully we can, you know, get that back uh, sooner than later. Um, once the season starts next year. So just so people can start marking their schedule right now, when is the home opener for the Spruce Kings this season? Second week of the season, October 14th against the Merritt Centennials. So oh. uh, a very exciting one coming up. Uh, that's going to be such a cool experience to you know, be back in, back in the rink again with fans. 
might be a little bit overwhelming in in an exciting uh, exciting term. So, um, going to be very cool. Uh, we can't wait for that to, to get going. Season starts actually in Merritt. There's a lot of games against the Centennials for Prince George. First 15 games of the season, I think they play Merritt all five times. So, holy cow! Uh, they'll, be, they'll be very familiar with with the Centennials. But yeah, that's how the Bruce Kings home schedule will start. So, you guys will be going down starting the season, thinking. You know, this almost feels like last season with us playing Merritt every second night. <laughs> yeah, that, that thought will probably go into my head. It's not just that we played them in the plot season, but we played them in the fall season, too. Yes. So, um, very familiar with them. They actually just hired a new coach mm-hmm. um, in Mr. Shazowski. So uh, looking to they'll probably be a little bit of a better team next year, mm-hmm. I would think, on paper. So um, we'll, we'll, it's going to be exciting. I, I mean, it's obviously um, just nice that there's a, again, a big, large scheme, uh, schedule of games. Um, you know, putting that whole thing together was very exciting to see and get you pretty geared up for the season, which is still four months away. I, I know. that That's the hard part. Although I'm guessing for you and the rest of the staff over at Spruce King's office, you're saying, oh, my goodness, we've only got four months to do this, 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 and this. Yeah, it's <laughs> going to be a, a lot crammed in the summer. But I think the bottom line is that it's really exciting and that there's going to be some sort of normality mm-hmm. uh to get everything back to normal and, you know, selling tickets is, is one thing. You know, we haven't used that ticket machine in such a long time. So uh, it's going to be exciting to, to get back on that and, you know, interact with fans coming into the office and giving them their tickets and what have you. So um, really just can't wait for this, this summer. It's obviously going to be really busy, but it's uh, an exciting, you know, exciting moment, not just for the team, but for the league. And, again, as I alluded to earlier in the interview, it's the, the 50th year anniversary of the hockey team so um going to be an exciting build-up for sure now obviously the october 14th game the home opener against Merritt, will be one of the special nights can you give us any tips any sort of hints about some other special nights you guys might be planning for at this point i can just say that they're going to be very very cool interesting and unique so um i can't give much um it's but it's going to be uh definitely worth it there's gonna be a lot of uh cool nights planned uh throughout the season and we can't wait for it wow and then again of course the other thing that's probably coming up not that far away again now is the uh spruce king show should yeah. be getting up and running again reasonably soon i would think yeah for sure um i i think the so it's still getting worked on yeah. uh, up at the Aberdeen Glen Golf Course. So um, those tickets look a lot. I believe will come out in the fall sometime, and we'll start selling again. But uh, yeah, the show home obviously an integral part of the of the Spruce Kings. It's what keeps us going. So um, obviously a, a massive part uh, how everything's done here, and a really successful one last year. You know, with it mm-hmm. selling out, and you know, giving a, a winner not just for the house but for the fifty fifty as well, a hundred thousand dollar prize. So. Um, yeah, it looks like the show home is going to be all ready to go for the fall, and everything's pretty status quo there. Okay. Cole Waldy with the Prince George Spruce Kings. Thanks very much for bringing us to date. But quickly, what's the website that people can go to to get the latest on when they can buy tickets and all the other information they need about the Spruce Kings? Yeah, sprucekings.bc.ca is our website. We're also on Twitter, at, at Spruce Kings. Or on our Facebook, just search Prince George Spruce Kings, and our page comes up as well. Or you can follow us on Instagram as well, at PG Spruce Kings. So uh, we'll keep you up uh, to date on, on all of our social media channels, uh, whether it's on our website or, or social media. So 
um, yeah, make sure to, to keep updated. Ticket stuff will probably be coming out pretty soon, so um, make sure to keep your eyes peeled. Okay. Cole Waldy, thank you very much for bringing us up to date. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. Take another break and be back with more after 9. Now available for viewing at the Two Rivers Gallery, an exercise in listening. This stunning exhibit features work by four artists from across Canada, Ruth Cuthand, Annie Dunning, Genevieve Robertson, and Kelsey Stevenson. The exhibit is a collection of sculpture, sonic art, video, drawings, and prints to create a narrative around the importance of listening to create a more inclusive and environmentally minded future. An exercise in listening is on through July 4th at Two Rivers Gallery, where creativity flows in the Canada Games Plaza. Since the BC Schizophrenia Society's podcast, Look Again, Mental Illness Reexamined, launched, it's been full steam ahead. With a new episode released every two weeks, the podcast has been bringing attention to some new and old issues relevant to people affected by schizophrenia. Helping challenge the misinformation surrounding the serious mental illness, check out current and past editions of Look Again, Mental Illness Reexamined through the podcast link under education at bcss.org. The BC Schizophrenia Society. A reason to hope, the means to cope. A one-time provincial recovery benefit is available for residents of BC. If you file an income tax return for 2019, you are eligible, whether single or as a family. To apply, you need your social insurance number, your 2019 income, direct deposit information, and a driver's license number if you have one. For more information or to apply for the provincial recovery benefit, visit gov.bc.ca slash recovery dash benefit. The BC recovery benefit application deadline is June 30th. Forecast from Environment Canada, becoming cloudy this morning with showers and the risk of thunderstorms. Winds from the south at 20, gusting to 40 this afternoon, a high of 15. Tonight, showers ending after midnight, then partly cloudy, gusting south winds becoming light and a low of 4. For Thursday, mainly sunny in the morning, increasing cloudiness near noon with a 60% chance of showers in the afternoon and the risk of thunderstorms. Winds from the southwest at 20, gusting to 50 near noon, a high of 16. Featuring the people who make things happen in Prince George. You're listening to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. And it's almost the same as yesterday. We started off with such a nice, bright, clear, sunny day. And by the time we got to about this point in the show, if I remember correctly, Steve, the clouds were already starting to roll in pretty good. And they're starting to roll in again now. Well... By noon, you said, I think. By noon or shortly thereafter, we are supposed to be seeing some showers and possible thunderstorms. Uh, we have a third guest scheduled. They were going to be calling in, as far as I know, and they have not done so yet, but they might have gotten busy. So we will just, uh, again, COVID numbers still looking really good across the province and in the northern health region as well. Although, again, I noticed after yesterday where they had uh, Dr. Bonnie Henry's assistant do the media conference, she and Council Minister Adrian Dix were back on the job again yesterday. Oh, so they go. only gave them one day off. <clears throat> and a lot of times I've often figured when they do something like that, I'm always afraid when I hear that so-and-so is going to be doing the media conference, I'm thinking, okay, it's going to be bad news, and the other person just didn't want to be there to deliver the bad the news. The bad news, but No, yeah. it was good news. And continues to be. So again, that uh, June 15th for restart step number two is looking, like we were saying yesterday, it, well, it should be there. It's right around the corner. It's next Right week. around the corner. We know we've reached the vaccination number they wanted to. We're up over 70% provincially, and they were looking at 65%. 
And it was then what hospitalizations and new cases declining, and they still seem to be. Although I'm wondering what they mean by that. Like, do they mean that on June 15th they're going to look at it and say, "Oh, well, on June 14th they went up by three from yesterday, so they're not declining," or are they going to look at it over two weeks ago to they June have, 14th? They have to check the trend. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, with any luck, again the June 15th ones. They're nice, but they're not. There's nothing really. Boom! It doesn't suddenly explode into. We can do all kinds of extra things. It's more indoor gatherings can now be up to fifty people. Outdoor gatherings can be fifty people. I believe you can have up to ten people if you're going to a restaurant or something. You can have a table of up to ten people, and again, it doesn't have to be the bubble people anymore. It can be friends and family. Well, the one that bothers me is all the talk now about the border. Yes. Because that deadline is the 21st. Yes. Unless, of course, you're the Montreal Canadiens. In which case, they've gotten an exemption to, if necessary, travel across the border without having to quarantine. Which has upset some other athletes as well. Because some of them are trying to either qualify or train for the Tokyo Olympics, which are still scheduled to be taking place this summer in Tokyo. I still believe they won't go on. I don't think they will either, but if I've qualified for the Olympics as part of the Canadian national team, I'm not going to say, I don't think they're going to go on. I'm just going to sit at home, slough off, eat a quart of ice cream every day. I'm not going to worry about training. No, I'm going to keep training because they might go ahead. And this might be your only chance. So, but a lot of them would like to be able to participate in events which are maybe taking part place in the United States. Well, a lot of them don't have that exemption. Well, the worst part for them is they'll have to train one more year. Yes. Well, their their summer Olympics are like this year. This is, although again, it's still kind of funny. These are the 2020 Olympics mm-hmm. taking place in Tokyo this summer. Also across the sea, going the other way, over in Europe, the 2020 European football championships are taking place. Again, for the same reason, as I understand it, there was so much advertising, there was so much, they don't really put it this way, but there were so many souvenirs made up with 2020 on them. Absolutely. They didn't want to have the people who did it with souvenirs suffer the loss or something that was totally out of their control. And that, I know that was what they did with the 2020 Olympics. And one of the organizers even said that was one of the reasons was that there was so much stuff that was already in place that said 2020 Tokyo Olympics. They didn't want to have people have to get rid of that. And basically, if they wanted to still be part of it, retool and do 2021. And I'm, I'm just thinking, you got a 2020, no. Changing a 2020 to a 2021 is not that easy. No. No. Well, you'd have the hoop for a two, though. You could, yeah. So it's delayed another year. But that's <laughs> really starting to get messy then. Mm-hmm. Although, again, it is starting to look. And again, the thing is, we still here see the small picture, if you will. Like, we're looking at the Northern Health picture, and then we're looking at the BC picture in terms of the things. 
we're sort of looking, a lot of people I know are looking at like the Alberta picture because that's obviously the place you'd be most likely to go if you wanted to travel. Mm-hmm. We don't, I don't know how many people in Canada could tell you what's the rate like in Nova Scotia. What's the rate like even in Manitoba? Mm-hmm. A lot of people, if they need to know, they can look it up. But a lot of people don't know. We know the U.S. is still having problems, except it's not everybody in the U.S. Some of the states are apparently doing almost as well as we are in terms of vaccination numbers and numbers going down. Some aren't. But our neighbor is one of the ones that are not doing well. Yes. And again, though, then you step outside North America. What, how's things happening? What's happening down in Mexico even? South America. What's happening in the Caribbean? Because, again, it's only June, but I know people who would already be saying, I would like to be able to plan my winter cruise in the Caribbean. Can I? They would have to look up all those numbers because those numbers are not just there. They're not being reported on every day how the places like Jamaica and Barbados and the Bahamas are doing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, no, and... Even over in Europe, we're not, I don't think, again, you could dig for it, it probably wouldn't be that hard to find, but you're not hearing, even on a weekly basis, you're not hearing, what are the numbers like in England? What are the numbers like in Europe as a whole? Like, you know, we keep hearing Japan is reporting more and more, but a lot of that, I think, is because of the Olympics. There's but a major event there. Japan has a lot of people. Oh, yeah, in a very a small, small area. Yes. You're talking like 126 million. Yeah. But um, India, again, as far as I know, is still reporting a lot of cases. Oh. But again, there are a lot of people there. And yes, there's a fair bit of room there, but a lot of their people are clustered into. It's. I've had discussions with some of the, the younger uh, people um, mm-hmm. with their families over there. And, uh, you know, you talk about being a big country and whatnot. They all say, you know, when you get into certain areas, there is no room. No, oh, no. There is no room. No. And there's so much poverty. And yeah. Well, India, to me, is like a more populated version, if you will, of B.C. There's a fair bit of country where there's not a lot of people, like in northern B.C., but then you've got the big cities, the Mumbai's, the Chennai's, all these big cities, and the people are just like packed together. Packed together. Same as it is down the lower mainland to some extent. So it's two different scenarios, really, is what you're looking at. We are going to go to a break, and when we come back, we will finish things up on After 9. In response to the discovery of the remains of 215 children at the site of a former residential school in Kamloops, flags at city properties across British Columbia have been lowered to half-mast. As well, the Clay Leitonay flag at Prince George City Hall will remain at half-mast for 215 days in remembrance of the children who died and as a reminder to ask ourselves, what can we do as individuals to support children today for a more positive future of our Indigenous communities? June 15th is World Elder Abuse Awareness Day, and there are a number of events to mark the occasion in the city. On June 14th at 1 at City Hall, Mayor Lynn Hall will raise the WEAAD flag and read a proclamation. On June 15th, there will be a drive-by parade starting at 2 at the parking lot by the Aquatic Center. 
To register for the parade, email PrinceGeorgeCRN at gmail.com or call 250-301-6664. That's World Elder Abuse Awareness Day, coming on June 15th. Pushing and supporting the nonprofit sector forward is a priority advantage point. Their aim is to work with others in the sector to mutually accomplish goals and create discussions around important topics. These are the values and goals of their membership community. When your organization becomes a Vantage Point member, your board, staff, and volunteers can participate in our advocacy work for the sector. For more information or to become a member of Vantage Point, visit thevantagepoint.ca. If you're the caregiver of a senior or elder, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. That's where the Family Friend Caregiver of Senior Support Group comes in. The group provides emotional support and information as well as a place to share ideas and experiences with other caregivers. It will help you feel less isolated and more connected in a safe environment, providing mutual support and shared ideas. For more information or to join the free online family friend caregiver of senior support group, email bahfacilitator at pgnfc.com. Thank you for tuning in and staying tuned to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Well, had somewhat the same situation last night in the NHL playoffs as we had the night before. We had two games, and one of them finished off a series. That did. Yes. So, Tampa Bay Lightning, still on course and looking real good to repeat as champions at this point, I think you could say. Well, I think it jumped another 100% when Colorado fell behind in their series now. Yes. But uh, because you know, what Colorado is down three games to two to Vegas, and Vegas is headed home. Yeah, and then Montreal is wait. Uh, that's who Montreal is waiting for is that series, and the other series is the Islanders and Boston. Islanders up three games to two, heading home. Okay. Of course, as I've mentioned, Toronto <laughs> was heading home at one point with a sizable lead in their series. Well, as a diehard Leaf fan, I'm pulling for the Islanders. Okay. Only because it's Boston. Ah, okay. So you want the original six teams to get kicked out? Well, I mean, when you think about it, Montreal and the Islanders, there's two teams that weren't really expected to be there. No. No. And Montreal's now a Final Four. And Tampa Bay, I think, was even though there may have been times during the season where people were kind of going they just don't look all that good they picked it up near the end of the season again to get into the playoffs oh they're loaded they're a team that's built for the playoffs to some extent oh they're loaded down yeah yeah. they knew that they could um, they knew they were going to get their guys back who they needed and um, so they weren't too concerned about finishing in a certain spot they knew they were going to make the playoffs, and they said, okay, at that point, we're going to be playing teams we've played all season. There's not going to be any surprises. We know we can beat these guys. And I think that's what they sort of sat back and said, let's just make sure everybody's healthy or at least getting close to healthy. We don't mm-hmm. want to rush somebody back for the last game of the regular season and then have him miss the first series in the playoffs because he pulled a muscle again, trying too hard. And I don't think that would happen with John Cooper behind the bench, for one thing. No. But, uh, no, it's going to be... Um, and then, what gets interesting, when these other two series finish, and they are both... So one of them's on tonight, right? Yeah, well, you get the Boston Islanders. Boston Islanders, and then the... 
And uh, Vegas will be uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. So, again, they're still staying on every two days. When they finish those series and you've got those final four, as we were talking about a little bit yesterday, all of a sudden you're saying, okay, how do we do against these guys in the regular season? Well, I've got news for you. You never well, played them. Yeah, you, you played 500 hockey against them. You didn't win any. You didn't lose any. So it's going to be scouting reports, but it's going to be scouting reports where I think you've also got to sort of legitimately be scouting your own team as well. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what your team is like. Well, if you're going to be going up and say, well, even if you're going up against Montreal, you can scout them and you can say, okay, this is the style of hockey they play. Okay, now, let's have somebody take an unbiased look at our tapes from the past couple of weeks in the playoffs. What are they, what is Montreal going to be looking at and saying, there's something we can pick on? Mm. Because I think that's what you've got to do as much as anything when you get to this stage of the playoffs, especially because you haven't played them before, is you've got to look at your team and you you can't just say, oh yeah, we're on a roll. We're just going to roll over everybody. No, you've got to look at and you've got to say, Montreal, they've got like, say they're really strong down the right wing. And our left wingers haven't really been playing that well defensively. That's a problem for us. Well, they got to so. stick to their defensive game. Oh, yeah. Because they don't have a lot of, like, high-powered goal scorers. No. You know, there's a couple that you, you can rely on, but... Yeah. And the other thing, again, that we are seeing as the playoffs go along is the goalies are stepping up. The goalies are phenomenal. Like, Montreal had a number of different heroes in the first two rounds. But the guy who was always there was Carey Price. Um, Vegas has gotten as far as they have pretty much because Marc-Andre Fleury is playing like Marc-Andre Fleury does in the playoffs. And that's the thing that I think... I don't think anybody can really explain. I know coaches have been asked about it, and they can't explain. What is it that some guys can seem to turn it on when it's the playoffs? Like they, It's not like they take the season off. They don't mm-hmm. they don't just sit around for 56 games this year and then start up in the playoffs. But they play at a C-plus level or a B level in the play, in regular season. And then all of a sudden the playoffs start, and they're maybe not A-plus but they raise it to, like, a B-plus level in the playoffs, and nobody can explain it. Well, I mean, if you played 100 games through the season yeah, and you've made it to the playoffs and you're feeling pretty good, well, yeah. that that's a pretty good high right there. Yeah. That'll get you going. Yeah. Because you are playing a lot of games. Yeah. And I think part of it as well, and a couple of coaches did mention this, was they said, well, some of those guys, you take a look, and they ma- they particularly match up well against the team we were playing in the opening round. And it's not like, okay, you play the Canucks one night, and then you might not see them for another three weeks. And so you've got six or seven other games in there, so the guy who plays really well against the Canucks has a good game, and then he sort of drops back to his usual level for five or six games. Then he's another good game against the Canucks. You don't necessarily notice that he plays well against the Canucks, but if you play the Canucks in the playoffs, he's seeing them at least four games in a row. Mm-hmm. And if he can still play at that level, that's when you suddenly go, wow, he's really raised his play. He may not have really raised his play that much from what he was playing against Vancouver. And again, so often it is just a matchup. There's just something about 
a particular team but a particular player likes <clears throat> again goalies well goalies oh. a goalie can win a game for you yeah and do you think a goalie can win a series for you i think so because the if I, if I carry only, price I, in the first game of the next series if montreal gets out shot and price makes a couple of spectacular saves and they win the game like two nothing say the other team, they're not going to say it, but the other team is going to have in the back of their mind, oh, that's the way he's playing again now. Well, there's only one goalie I can recollect that actually pretty much helped win a series, yeah. and that would be Ken Dryden. Oh, yeah. You know? In his in his, in his pre-rookie season. Yes. Yeah. Now, it was, that was somewhat ridiculous. And that's still one of the most iconic photos of all time, isn't it? Yeah. Him standing in front of his goal crease with that huge goal stick of his, just leaning on it leaning very on casually. It. And this is like a guy who'd only played, what, six regular season games in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah. Throw him and in there. he's just, yeah, big deal. That'll about wrap it up for today's show. We will be back on the air tomorrow after nine. After 9 is a daily presentation of CFIS-FM. After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Reg Fair, and Nathan Gita. Additional contributors include CBC News and the National Campus and Community Radio Association. For a rebroadcast of today's program, check out the podcast link at cfisfm.ca. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca. You're listening to CFIS-FM Prince George, a not-for-profit community radio station broadcasting with 500 watts of power at 93.1 on the FM dial. CFIS-FM is owned and operated by the Prince George